Can I pray for us just before we start? Lord, uh, for what we're about to receive from your heart, Father, I, I pray that you bless our hearts, Father. And I pray that every word that is spoken, Father, would be directly from your heart. And I pray for receptive ears, Lord, and I pray that people would be changed and, and hearts would be changed. We would leave here knowing you more and, and being closer to you, Lord. Amen. All right. Good morning. So as I mentioned, all the, the ginger jokes, um, that's me. Um, my, my name is a bit of a difficult one. I go by anything uh, as aforementioned, or Carlitz, or Andre, or AJ as well. So I don't really mind if you say any of the latter. I will respond. Just, just not Johan. There too many Johans in Afrikaans. Um, I'm joking, Johan. <laughs> All right. Uh, I'm from Malpos. Uh, and I feel a great affinity to Azerfontein because, uh, so firstly, half of the worship band on my com. How, what a great job, guys. Uh, we had... Um, we had Zan and Kaylin, brother and sister duo, on the on the vocals, which is pretty cool. Uh, and then some of my com members as well. And also Mike uh, Oxley, who leads here, was in my community when he just got saved. I'll never forget. I'm going to tell this in his absence. We had our first community braai, and he rocked up with a six pack of beers. And I'm like, Mike, no. <laughs> you change a lot. Please don't tell him I told you that joke. I'll get into massive trouble. He did actually. That's that's not a joke. He actually really did do that. Um, so I'm going to start with two things. One is a question no one's asking. This is just a freebie. I'm just going to throw it out there. I met a, uh, an astron astronomer, not astrologer. Astrologers or astrology is bad. Astronomer. He works, he's the head of the Sutherland Telescope. And he told me, and, and uh, uncategorically, that there are more stars than sand on the seashore. Think about that. That's the God we serve. Think of just, uh, this is nugget. It's got nothing to do with the preach. Okay. More stars than sand on the seashore. Think about that. We live in, you look, I live in Azerfontein. We live in Malpos. That is insane. Just think about that. More stars than sand. What a great, I, I mean, amen to that. I mean, that's a preach on its own. Um, so um, uh, those of you that don't know me, my, my dad is a, is a lecturer at the university, and he always told me, start your preachers with a joke. Okay, so these are going to be terrible. Please laugh. I know these guys that have heard me preach a couple of times. Please laugh when you hear me. And when you hear me tell a joke. So the first thing, yeah, yeah, it's not a ginger joke. No, 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 Brendan's here. I can't do that. Um, the first thing is, is there's a, there's a husband and wife, and they are arguing about who's going to make the coffee in the morning. And the wife pipes up and said that, uh, says that, you know, it's biblical. The husband needs to make the coffee because it says so. And the husband's like, where does it say that? And it says, Hebrews. That's so lame. I apologize for that one. <laughs> it's, it's, I'm, I'm going to get the t-shirt for dad joke of the year. Anyway, and the second one is actually a pretty cool one. Um, it's a, it's a, look, I'm not of the vegan persuasion, okay? Nothing against vegans, but I'm not of the vegan persuasion, okay? And uh, the, um, Brendan's already laughing, so I've already got one captive audience member. Um, the vegan says to the meat, you say, now how can you, how can you eat meat? And um, he says, no, it's, it's plant-based. And the, meat, the vegan goes, how is it plant-based? It was done in a meat factoring plant. <laughs> Thought you guys would like that one. Okay. So, um, I'm going to tell you about my favorite prophet today. We're going we're gonna to delve into the Old Testament a little bit. And uh, I'm so, firstly, I'm sorry for my appearance. My wife and I came from Strandfontein up the West Coast. And it was raining and horrible, and I, I didn't really look at the weather, and I didn't, 
I, I didn't think this wardrobe through. I mean, yeah, it's winter, it's cold. Uh, I know I'm a surfer and also, but jeans would have been nice. That's why I've got some like mud on and we got our dogs in the bucky and everything. And um, as, as life would have it, you know, we had to leave Strandfontein this morning very early and pack and then, you know, kids don't work with you and the dogs are gone and, you know, it's the roads are wet and you argue with your wife. So it's just a normal morning of getting to church, you know. So just in case you think that the preacher is being holy, trust me, this morning I'm not. Uh, I should probably apologize to my wife because I think my, my tempo is a bit short. But anyways, um, so my favorite prophet is, without a doubt, is Elijah. He's the running prophet, okay. So those of you that don't know, I like to run, not fast, but far. And Elijah is the running prophet, okay. But um, I'm give a little bit of a backstory. Uh, Elijah is this incredible prophet who um, basically challenged the prophets of Baal to a standoff. And he said, look, you guys, and there were 400 prophets, you guys get all the bulls and everything that you want and you need, and you go make a fire, and you go ask Baal to set fire to this, you know, the offering. And he basically taunted them. And you, you, you think about this prophet, and you think that he's, he's this, uh, this confident, cocky almost prophet, you know, he goes, ah, you know, you guys, you know, stink, you guys can't do this, you know. And, and then he taunts them, and at the end, they're slashing themselves, and, and, and nothing happens. So he tells him, like, you know, take buckets of water and pour it on the, on the offering and, you know, dug it, dig a trench around it and, uh, you know, pull more water over it. And then he prays and God sends fire and it burns up the offering and the water and the wood and the stones and everything else. So Elijah's pretty cool, okay? But the coolest part is, okay, so he stands on this mountain and he predicts there's going to be rain because there was three years of, of, of drought. And he sees this tiny little cloud in the distance. I'm paraphrasing here. And he runs down. But they say... But Elijah got there first. So he ran faster than the chariot. Okay, that's why I like Elijah. He's the running prophet. Okay. So I thought I'm going to preach about Elijah. And then God tells me no. He doesn't want me to preach on Elijah because he's the running prophet. And that's because it's something I would like. I'm going to preach on Elisha. Now for those that are Afrikaans, it's Elisa. I also thought that was a girl's name, but Elisha. Okay. So Elisha is actually an incredible prophet. Um, you know, I'm going to go straight from Elijah to Elisha, and you'll see just now why. He did more miracles than any other prophet. Okay. So not, not counting Jesus, obviously, but he did more miracles than any other prophet. Okay. And a lot of the miracles that he did were very much like the ones that Jesus did. Okay. So I hadn't, I'd heard about the name Elisa because I was Afrikaans and raised in the Inchir church, and we heard about the prophet Elisha. But Elisha multiplied bread. And he fed 200 people. And who did this as well? Jesus fed 5,000 and he fed 3,000. And Peter walked in water. Jesus walked in water. Now, Elisha didn't do this, but he made an axe head float. I mean, axe head, that's a footprint from a bale. I mean, that's quite a heavy thing. He made it float. That's pretty cool. And he brought the dead back to life. And, and somebody touched his dead bones and got brought back to life as well. So he's, he's a pretty incredible prophet. Okay, he's... He's pretty cool. He doesn't run as fast as Elijah did, but he's pretty cool. Okay, so he's, a, he's, a, he's, a, he's an amazing, amazing prophet. So those of you that are taking notes, okay, here's where you can start taking notes. I don't know if you have been taking notes now. Um, please don't write the jokes down. They're terrible. Okay. Okay. So this preacher is divided into four parts. Okay. The first is be ready. The second is burn the ships. Oh, that sounds ominous. Burn the ships. The third is find your own faith. 
And the fourth is use what God gave you. Okay, so let's jump in. Can you take me to, uh, what is the first scripture I gave you guys? 1 Kings, 1, oh, 1 Kings 19. Mm, go down to, I think it's, let me just find you, where God calls Elijah, uh, Elisha. find it for you please a little bit down okay there we go so be ready sounds like one of ivan van Furen's preachers be ready for those of you that don't know ivan he's amazing he's a real father to me in the faith while we're on that note it's so amazing to have gary where's gary where's gary gary that's one of my fathers in the faith that's 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 one of the men that i really looked up to and still do look up to in josh jen so i just want to honor gary it's really great to have you and your family here and uh, gary's also my community and uh, Gary is just a real stand-up, and, and you know, it's a funny thing, he, he spoke about tithing. Most of what I know about tithing, I learned from Gary, so it's a real privilege to have you here, Gary. Please don't quit my preach too much afterwards. Okay, so uh, basically, Elijah goes and he calls Elisha. Now, why does this happen? So after he outran the chariot, and after he set fire to uh, the, the, the offering and everything, that's why I told you the story, Elijah was a bit downcast because Jezebel was trying to kill him. Okay, so if you read the Bible, the very next scene after he outran the chariot and he just, you know, set fire, this incredible miracle, Jezebel tries to kill him and he goes and sits, I don't know what the English translation is, suck on us. He basically sits there and he mopes. He's like, oh God, just take my life. And I'm thinking, oh, dude, what a, what a, how can you just go from here to here? How, how does that work? And that's why God calls Elisha. So I'm trying to walk around because my wife chewed me last time. You don't just stand in front of the pulpit. You have to actually walk around. So I'm really, really trying. Okay, so please, if this is, this is very far from the pulpit for me, I'd like to go back to my notes. So the reason why God chose Elisha is because Elijah was focused on himself. He thought, well, what about me? I'm going to die. God, just, you know, take my life. I'm, I'm not worthy. Just, you know, take me out. And God goes, okay. I'll appoint someone else. I'll appoint Elisha. So he goes to Elijah, and he puts his cloak around him. Now, that's very important. He doesn't say, God called you. He doesn't, he doesn't say any of this. He just puts his cloak around him. Okay, that's important for later. Those of you making notes, make a little star. Okay, that's important for later. Can you go down? Yeah, he was plying with 12 yoke of oxen. Now, that's also important. Okay, so the first thing is, Elisha was rich. They had a big field. 12 yoke of oxen. I mean, I don't know if you have farmed, but Mike's probably the closest to a farm around here. Uh, but 12 yoke of oxen, you can plow a pretty big field with that. So most likely, they had servants. And most likely, the servants were also doing plowing. So he was a hands-on kind of guy. You know, he was the guy that put his shoulder to the work and actually got it done. And he was on the 12th yoke of oxen. Okay. So he was a rich young man. He was probably established, family had a bit of money, and... You know, there was no reason for him to do this, but he, he was doing it. And what, we, what is interesting, if we look at later in the scriptures, we find that, you know, the disciples, they weren't qualified to be disciples. They were fishermen. They were tax collectors. They were zealots. You know, we don't know what three of the 12 did, but, you know, they were not qualified men. And neither, neither was Elisha. He looks like a farmer. Okay, but God calls him to be a prophet. He wasn't brought up in the temple like Samuel. You know, he, he, he was just a farmer. Okay, but God says, you, 
I want you. And that's, that's amazing. And the interesting thing is, if you just go down, to go down one verse, I think verse 20. Okay. Mm, can we go down one verse? Okay, let me paraphrase again. Basically, immediately, Elisha followed after Elijah. And he, basically, and he says, I want to go say bye to my parents. And he ran after him. So by, f- by inference, we know that Elijah, once again, my favorite prophet, was running. And Elisha had to run after him. But immediately, he ran after him. Okay. There's a, there's a second portion of the scripture we're going to get to later. If you look at Jesus, when he called his disciples in Matthew 4, 18 to 22, Matthew 4, 18 to 22, He said, come and follow me and I will make you fishers of men. To the, that's, this is Jesus calling men to be the disciples. Next verse. At once, they left their nets and followed him. At once. Be ready. When God calls you, be ready. Be ready to follow him. You never know when God might call. It might not be into full-time ministry. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a lawyer for my sins. Uh, and I, I, I like running as well. But, I mean, I'm not, a, I'm not a full-time pastor, but God has called me to do something. God has told me to bring this message. So you don't know what you're being called to, but be ready. God might call you. Okay. Second point. Burn the ships. If you go back to 1 Kings, um, 1 Kings 19, uh, I think verse 20. Okay, uh, can you go to the next verse, please? Verse 21. Have you got that? Okay, so basically, I'm paraphrasing again, is that Elisha sacrificed the oxen, he took the plow, he broke it up, and he burnt it. We're there. There we go. Elisha returned to his oxen, killed them, and used the wood from the plow to build a fire to roast their flesh. See, he burnt the ships. He said, okay, well, I'm being called. I'm going to slaughter the oxen that I used to plow with. I'm going to sh- you know, use the plow for wood, and I'm going to burn the ship. There's no, there's no going back. This is, this, is, this is it. This is where I'm going. And there's an interesting story. I don't know if you guys have, um, have heard the story of. Is it, a, is it General Cortez? My wife did the research for me. Okay. General Cortez, in 1591, they went to expand what's called the free world, and they arrived in Mexico, and when they got off the ships, he burned all the ships. Told his men, sorry guys, there's no going back. (laughs) Burned all the ships. Okay, now we've got to go and conquer. And you know why he did this? Is because they were up against a much superior force. They were 600 men, and they were up against a vastly superior force with superior firepower, and he just said, burn all the ships. Now we don't have a choice, now we have to fight. What an incredible story. Okay, there's actually quite a cool song uh, for King and Country, I think, is the band that sings Burn the Ships. So there's no other way. Jesus, Jesus is the only way for Elisha. And in our lives, Jesus should be the only way. Trust me, I've tried all the others. Tried make money, tried carousing, tried all the you know, other things that pastors shouldn't do. Done all of that. Doesn't work. Jesus is the only way. Trust me on this one. So burn the ships. Next point, find your own faith. If you go down, I think it's the next verse I gave you. 
What's interesting is Elisha got Elijah's cloak. So when Elijah went up to heaven, he was taken up in a chariot of fire. His cloak came down, and Elijah caught the cloak. Now, Elisha was a smart guy. He said, Elijah asked him, what can I give you? What, what can I give you? What of me do you want? He said, I want a double portion. Because he knew he wouldn't be able to do this on his own. So he knew he needed wisdom. He knew he needed God. He knew he needed more wisdom than Elijah had, uh, than Elijah had to do this. So he asked him for a double portion if he saw him go. Okay, so he saw him go. He got the double portion and he caught his cloak. Now what's interesting now is he arrives at the Jordan and then he strikes the Jordan with a cloak and he says, basically, where is the God of Elijah? What's interesting is, so he sees all of this. He sees this miracle, and he doesn't go, where is God? Where is my God? He goes, where is the God of Elijah? So he doesn't have that faith yet. Okay, so sometimes we do things in faith, but we don't have the faith yet. We go, God, I don't know how I'm going to do this. I don't know how I'm going to move to Azerfontaine. I want to honor these guys that have moved to Azerfontaine. You know, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what job I'm going to have. I don't know how I'm going to make money. I don't know how my house is going to be sold. Where are my neighbors? Ooh, there's one of them. We live next to Mike and Tam and Malpos. We don't know how this is going to work, but we're going to faith it. The problem is you've got to get your own faith. You can't just strike the Jordan with someone else's cloak and go, by the God of Elijah. So if you go to Acts 19... Verse 11 to 20. This is an interesting story. I love the story. The sons of Sceva. Sceva. Okay. All right. So basically, a bit of a backstory here. Um, Paul the Apostle is now alive, and he's ministering into the churches. But some of the Jewish members of the council were driving out spirits in the name of the God of Paul. So they hadn't made the connection yet that God wasn't their God yet. They were still saying the God of Elijah. They wouldn't done that yet. Okay, next verse. Have we got the next verse? Verse 13? Verse 13. Okay. Some Jews who went around driving out evil, evil spirits tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon possessed. They would say, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. Now this is the interesting part. I love this part. Seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this. Next slide. One day, an evil spirit asked them and says, Jesus I know and Paul I've heard of, but who are you? Then the man who, brought the, had, who had the evil spirit jumped on them, overpowered them all, gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. Find your own faith, please. <laughs> Find your own faith. You can't go around in someone else's faith. It's amazing to see the faith of Mike. And Mike, and Mike. It's amazing to see the faith of Tam and of Martin. But sometimes you've got to find your own faith. Okay. I actually made that joke up on the fly. That's quite good. <laughs> Write that down. Okay. Third point. Use what God gave you. So uh, if you go to, uh, I think it's 2 Kings 2. Uh, there are three, three portions here we're going to read. I'm, I might paraphrase here again. Um, I love people being practical. You know, um, we, had, we had Mike as our, as our builder a couple of years ago. It was incredible to see how practical builders are. Oh, no, no, we can make a plan. No, no way, we can make a plan here. So they use what they've got. Okay, Mike happens to be an engineer, so that makes him more practical than most, but be that as it may. 
So Elisha now somehow finds faith, which is a good thing because otherwise, you know, seven sons of Skiba, I, I you know, leave it at that. Um, he then, see, so there's three incredible miracles. The first one, I don't know if you guys can find this on your, on your um, scriptures there, but the first thing is um, there is a town with water that's bad. And they say, you know, the town, they, they can't build on this town because the water's bad. So Elijah basically takes salt and pours salt in the water. Now, if you pour salt in the water, it's not going to make it great. Okay, it's, in fact, it's going to make it pretty terrible. But God does an amazing miracle and says, now the water's good. So he used what he had. He didn't pronounce an incredible miracle. He didn't hit it with Elijah's cloak. He just used salt because that's, that's what they had. So they used what they had. Second miracle, flour. They made a pot of stew and they put some girds. I had to actually Google that. I don't know what girds were, like bessies. They put girds in the pot, and the men said, no, it's poisonous, it's poisonous. So he takes a bit of flour. Um, it, look, I cook, okay, so flour does the same as bisto. It makes it thick. It doesn't make it taste any different or safer, okay. But he used what he had. He used what he had. I'm getting to the point. Bear, bear with me. The widow with the olive oil, incredible story. The widow basically said, the debtors are coming to my door to collect. I don't have anything. And he says, well, what do you have? And she said, I've got these empty pots. He goes, okay, and a, and a little bit of olive oil. Okay, fill them. Fill all of them. The incredible thing is, as soon as the pots are all full, then the olive oil ran out. I wonder what if it happened if she had like a big vat like this. Would God have filled that up? I'm sure he would have. So once again, he used what he had. So I want to encourage you, use what you have. God doesn't, God doesn't send the able. He equips the willing. You know, write that down. That's an Andrew quote. Okay, God doesn't equip, God doesn't send the able, he equips the willing. So, I'm not a naturally talented runner. Okay, shock and awe. Not at all, no, don't worry. Uh, but my talent lay in perseverance and stubbornness. I'm incredibly stubborn. My wife can attest to that. And it can be a very good or a very bad trait. Okay, but... Just because I didn't run well when I was a youngster, I was a bit of a pudgy. Is that politically correct, pudgy? Yeah, uh, yeah I was fat. Yeah, I was, I was, I was, I was fat. I'm trying to, trying to be as PC as I can, politically correct. But I was fat, okay? There's no way you're getting around it. And uh, I, was, I wasn't good at running at all. My, my sister was very good at running, and she, like, was pretty and ran well, and he knows my sister, so... Um, he knows I'm not lying. And uh, it, it was difficult because it didn't come naturally. And I, I tried to be better at this thing, and I, I just couldn't run fast. But then I started working with what I had. And what I did have was stubbornness and perseverance. So I would get up at like half past four every morning and train, and train, and train, and train, and train, and train, and train until it became a talent. And, and then I started building on that. But the perseverance and the stubbornness was what I had. So you might not have the gift of speaking in front of a lot of people. Trust me, I, I, honestly, I don't. But you, don't, you, might, you might not have the gift of worshiping or the gift of playing a musical instrument beautifully, but use what you have because you've got something. And that's something only you can bring. No one else can bring what you have. Okay, that's amazing. Okay, that's the way God made us. 
sure I'm at that conclusion already. Wow, this went faster than I thought. So, if you go put up Jeremiah 29.11. I know this is a well-versed and well-read and well-misquoted scripture, but let me misquote it one final time. God has a plan for you. God says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. We don't know what God's plan is. I would go so far as saying, as sometimes even Jesus doesn't know, because Jesus said he doesn't even know when the Father's coming back. We don't know what his plan is, but we know that it's a good plan. We do know that it's a good plan. And we know that the plans that he has, has for us is to prosper. And you know, something, something I was thinking of, um, you know, this is also just a bit of a nugget. This has got nothing to do with the preach. When we tell someone we're going to pray for them, pray for them. Don't forget. Be very careful of making that promise. I've done it a couple of times. Somebody sends a message, oh, they need prayer. I go, send them, you know, the little... which means basically I'm going to pray for you, and then we lie. We forget. I often wonder what Jesus is going to say about that. So if you tell someone you're going to pray for them, stop and pray. Not Okay, if you're driving, please you know, be wise about it, but pray. Okay, that's just a nugget that's got nothing to do with the preachers, something I thought of um, in preparation. You know, there's a theory in life. I don't necessarily prescribe to this theory or subscribe to this theory or believe it, but it's, it's called the chaos theory. Now, uh, there's a movie way back when, when I was a youngster called The Butterfly Effect. And basically what it says is if a butterfly beats its wings on the other side of the earth, that causes this side of the earth to change. What I'm trying to get at is this. Every decision you make has consequences. Are you going to put two or three teaspoons of sugar in your tea? Are you going to be nice to your wife or not so nice like I was this morning? Are you going to read your Bible this morning or are you going to sleep in? Are you going to do what God asks you to do or not? Are you going to attend church or are you going to go for a surf? I know the ways are cooking outside. I know that they are. I was very tempted this morning. <laughs> I said, guys, can't do that. Or are you going to do what God tells you to do? Every decision we make in life has consequences. You know, not, to, not to quote Gladiator, but it is a pretty cool movie. And he says, what we do in life echoes into eternity. So remember, every decision that you make, everything that you do, do it unto God. Your finances, your spouse, your kids, your work. If you tell someone you're going to pray, pray. Every single decision that you make has eternal consequences. Where you are now, <laughs> sorry, most, most of the children running around here are mine. I do apologize for that. Um, where you are now might not be your plan. But it is God's plan. And God is working it to fruition. So can I pray for us? Every eye closed. Lord, we don't know your plan. We don't understand your ways. Your ways are higher than our ways, Father. We, we don't know. We just don't know, Father, what tomorrow holds, Lord. But you... Not only hold tomorrow, Father, you hold the cattle of a thousand hills, Lord. You hold the stars in the palm of your hand, Lord. And 
as we just heard, Lord, there are more stars than there are sand on the seashore, Lord. What an incredible God we serve, Father. What an incredible God. And we want to walk in that plan. We want to give up our own plan and say, God, we, we've tried everything. We just, we just can't do this anymore. And I want to put out the invitation twofold today. The first is to those who've never walked in God's plan, who've never given themselves over and said, you know what, I surrender my life. There's, there's nothing that I can do that can get me closer with God. And I want to invite God into my life. I want to open the door and let God come in. That's a decision you will never regret. I promise you that. It is the biggest, the wisest, the most important decision you'll make in your life is to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. So if there's anybody like that, I just want you to keep that in mind. And I want to also extend the net to the, the second portion. And that's those of us that have given our lives and those of us that, that have, have missed the plan and have just gone our own ways. Because sometimes we do make our own plans and we do like Saul decide, you know, we, we're going to do the sacrifice or we, we're going we're gonna to step out of line. And I just want to give an opportunity for those that might have done that, for those that have, might have missed the mark and that's what sin is, that, that have walked into sin, just to step back and say, Jesus, I'm sorry. Forgive me, Lord. Help me to walk back in your ways. Help me to walk back into your, into your will, into your perfect, perfect plan. Now, is there, is there anybody like that today who wants, who wants to say, I want to accept God as my Lord and Savior? And also, not to put anybody on the spot, but just say, Lord, I've, I've strayed from your plan. I've strayed from where you've called me to. I've strayed from what you had in mind for me and I've done it my own way. I've, I've, went, the way, I've went the way of the prodigal son. Is there anybody like that today? Yeah, and for the rest of us. Yeah, Lord. Many other plans in a man's heart, Lord, but it is your purpose that prevails, Father. And I pray that your purpose prevails not only in our lives, Father, but in Nazarfontaine, in this church, Father. I pray that this church would experience growth, Lord. I, I, I pray that this would be a, a conduit for your spirit into the West Coast, Lord. Now, I pray that, as Paulette prayed, Lord, that this would be a tree of life that many would come and live under and eat from, Father. I pray that this would be a fruitful tree, Father. I pray that you bless it manifestly, Lord. I pray that you bless uh, the people that live in this town, Father, that live under the branches of this tree, Lord. And I pray that you bless those that are tasked with the administration of this tree, Father, that they would do it well, and they would do it as servants of the great and living Father, Lord. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you for entertaining me for a bit. I'm going to hand over to Josh again. He can close for us.